Hello and welcome to Everyone's Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin, and joining me today is my friend and co-worker, Jill Retta, who is a marathon runner, musician, a vegan of 15 years, and a senior manager of sync licensing at BMG Rights Management. So welcome, Jill. How are you doing? I am doing good. Thank you so much for having me, Martin. Yeah, I'm glad that we finally got to do this. I know we've been talking about it for a bit, but I'm super excited to have you on. What is the what is the topic that we're going to be discussing? Uh, we're talking about veganism today in honor of World Vegan Month, which is November. Yes, we are. So maybe we can just start with defining what vegan or veganism means. Sure. So I'm going to give you the textbook definition according to the vegan society, and then I might embellish it a bit on my own terms. So according to the vegan society, veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as is possible and practicable, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, and any other purpose, and by extension, <laughs> promotes the development and use of animal-free alternatives for the benefit of animals, humans, and the environment. In dietary terms, it denotes the practice of, dis- of dispensing with all products derived wholly or partly from animals. In Jill's definition, <laughs> veganism is a lifestyle choice. Most people interpret it as a vegan diet, which is abstaining from any and all animal-derived products in your food, but it also extends to other parts of your lifestyle, such as not using uh, personal products that are tested on animals or include animal ingredients, as well as not wearing clothes that come from animals, such as leather and wool. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good definition what is the overlap between veganism and vegetarianism? Sure. So the so the difference between vegetarianism and veganism is when you're vegetarian, most vegetarians are what we call ovo-lacto vegetarians, which means you still eat eggs and dairy. And you might also eat stuff like honey. Um, you might have other not all vegetarians will necessarily abstain from leather or like clothing products that are animal derived. But generally, when you begin using the term vegan, you're abstaining from all animal derived products in all parts of your life. Um, sometimes people will describe their diet as plant based to avoid a vegan term if they are not comfortable being sort of pigeonholed into all facets of veganism. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really helpful distinction. Um, yeah, do you want to just talk a little bit about your background of how um, you decided to become vegan? Sure. So, um, like like a lot of vegans, I started as a vegetarian. That's a pretty normal progression in things. And I was somebody that, from when I was like a, a child, like three, four years old, I've just always loved animals. Like I didn't have Barbie dolls. I had Beanie Babies. I was all about stuffed animals. I just did not like people. <laughs> um, I went through a phase that if, um, if there were people in my books, I wouldn't read them. So I only liked books that had animals what? as the character. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I was, I was a little kooky as a kid. Um, but, you know, so I just, I really have this innate love of animals. And when I like, they always say like, when you make the connection between, you know, what's on your plate and the animals that you see at the farm or on the street or in your books, um, it's generally, it's pretty painful for people to make that connection that, oh, the, the chicken that I saw out there. Now it turns into this and it died or it was killed. Or when I made that connection, I was, I was a mess. And that's, this is, you know, three, four year old Jill. And I remember saying like to my parents, I don't, I don't want to eat it. I won't eat it, you know, and I pushed the plate back and, and ultimately, you know, didn't, didn't know any better. You know, it was like, this is what everybody does. My parents didn't know any better when I was in second grade. I had a friend that was vegetarian and I was like, Oh, this is a thing. Like, 
I don't have to eat it and you're alive. Like, so I remember like going back to my mom being like, you know, Laura's a vegetarian. I think I should be a vegetarian too. And she still wasn't really about it. And when you're that young, you really don't have control over what you eat and what you don't eat. So um, it wasn't until I was uh, 10 or 11, I was going into seventh grade and I got really into punk rock music going into seventh grade. Amazing. And all of the punk rockers are vegetarian, if not vegan. It's like a very punk thing because um, it has to do with you know oppression and liberating uh, folks that folks, including animals that are stuck in an oppressive system. So it's very punk rock. So I remember reading that all my favorite bands were vegetarian and vegan. And I was like, yeah, screw the establishment. I'm going to be vegetarian. <laughs> I will never forget. I went out into the backyard. We were eating outside. It was summertime. And I was like, I'm not eating the burger tonight. I'm going vegetarian because all my favorite bands are vegetarian. <laughs> and, and I remember it was like a dare. My parents were like, okay, eat the lima beans. And I did. Didn't enjoy it, but I did. Uh And then from there, I just was vegetarian and it moved into veganism when I was about 15 years old because I started going to bigger festivals. I actually went to like Warp Tour and I went to Taste of Chaos, which were like huge punk rock or alternative rock shows and gatherings and um, festivals. And at those places, the PETA would always hand out their pamphlets and then I began to realize, oh, there's a lot more to animal liberation and animal rights than just vegetarian. And if I go vegan, I will be doing more for the animals. And I remember I was like really quiet about it for like two weeks. I began to be like, mom, can you buy soy milk? I just want to try it. You know, (laughs) she caught on to me right away. She was like, okay, like, but I did, I went vegan when I was about 15, I think. Um, I don't know the day. It wasn't like a, it wasn't, it was a big moment for me personally, but everybody around me was not for it at all. So um, it wasn't really something that was celebrated. It was something that was shamed when I went vegan. And I was a vegan in high school. Nobody else was vegan in high school. And looking back, I did some pretty like badass things in high school because I was involved in all different clubs and I would always bake vegan for everything in the, for, for all the club bake sales. So I was doing this like really forward thinking thing before it was cool to do it. Um, and then just in college, I, I stuck with it. I was in, um, what was it called? It was, it was, it was an animal rights club. I can't even remember what it was called now. SPAR, uh, students protecting animal rights. And I, you know, I, I have rescue cats. It's, it's just like a huge part of my life now. And it kind of culminated in me going to culinary school as a vegan and doing that and getting through that as a vegan. Amazing. Vegan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a really beautiful story. Just being able to, um, make that decision for yourself and not care what anybody else thinks about it. Um, what, what was, where, where was the shame coming from? Like, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess high schoolers can be pretty awful and terrible sometimes, but what was that about? I think the, the shame, well, for one, I was from an Italian American family, so it was all meat and cheese all the time. That's all people knew. So, to break the mold. And it it was also kind of insulting to them, honestly, that they would Italians, like they cook, you know, and if you don't, if you don't manja, you know, like something's wrong with you. So when I was showing up to these family gatherings and saying, I'm not going to eat your chicken parm or I'm not going to eat pizza, you know, it it was, it was insulting and they didn't know how to handle it. And as opposed to like, oh, well, what can we do for you? It was, it was more like, oh, you're, you're, you don't appreciate what I've, what I've done. And as, as somebody that's a little older now, I, I, I have a lot more sympathy towards that because as a cook, I know I can get very upset when people don't <laughs> eat what I put in front of them because I put so much work and effort into it. 
Um, and then in high school, you know, everybody's just pizza is such a social thing. And when you're not eating pizza or when you have to order a separate pizza because you can't have the cheese and then everybody's like, so you're just eating sauce with bread. Like it becomes very socially like difficult. Yeah. 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 I can totally see that. Um, I mean, but, but now, now you would probably get pizza with vegan cheese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I've learned, you know, like I've, I've gone to culinary school really to like almost gain street credit a little bit that like, you can cook really good food and you can like be a certified cook, a diploma cook, um, and not, you know, and abstain from, from animal products. But, um, even with, you know, that accreditation or something, some people are just, uh, not, not there. And that's, you know, at a point you have to just say, okay, and try to reach folks or try to, try to share your life with folks that do embrace it for what it is, whether they, whether they are vegan themselves or not, it's kind of about finding who really accepts you, which is for, for any, any group, for any identity, you know, it's, it's really about seeking people that accept you for who you are, even if they are not that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, cool. So November is world vegan month. Can you talk a little bit about, what that is, maybe the origination of it, um, and what what we do in November to kind of celebrate that. Sure. So, um, so the term vegan was coined by a guy named Donald Watson, who was a member, a founding member of the Vegan Society, which is based in the UK. And the term was coined back in November of 1944. So this is about 78 year old, 78 years old, this movement of vegan being a real term. Uh, World Vegan Month is in November to celebrate, celebrate the creation of the term, which was created in November, the founding of the vegan society and to embrace the accomplishments made in the vegan community over the previous year. World Vegan Day is November 1st, followed by a month of just vegan discounts at restaurants, <laughs> basically. Amazing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, um, I was just curious, like, how similar is something like Vegan Month to maybe Black History Month or um, Pride Month or these different months that are, like, celebrating certain identities? Would you say it's more similar or more different? It's it's not at all on the same level. Okay. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I would I would not ever class you know the the ideology of veganism as you know a, a race or as a sexuality. They they are very. It's not as significant. Okay. <laughs> not, not by a long shot. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, I guess the the history of oppression of black people or of. Uh, people of color in general or of queer people, that's probably much more, a much uglier and brutal history than, I mean, everything's important, but I guess, yeah. Okay. It's just good for me to put that in, in perspective. Um, cool. No, I mean, it's, it's exciting for, for vegans, but honestly, I feel like a lot of vegans don't even, it's not like we count down to world vegan month, at least not in my experience. Um, and I've been vegan for 15 years. So it's like okay. <laughs> when November rolls around, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can get pizza from this place now because they're doing a special promo. <laughs> but like, that's fun. <laughs> that's kind of it. Um, whereas, I, you know, Pride Month and Black History Month and Hispanic Heritage Month, those are all like much more culturally important than sure. World mm-hmm. Vegan Month. Sorry, other vegans, but like I, I think you know where I'm coming from here. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But at the very least, it gives us an opportunity to to talk about veganism. Sure. You know, it gives us an occasion to kind of put a spotlight on that um, and do something like talk about it on a podcast. I know. It's, it's, it's always great to, to have a platform to talk about something that something that can be controversial, something that not everybody gets to talk about on a regular basis. Um, so it's a privilege to be here. And I, I hope I represent the community <laughs> well <Yes. laughs> um, amazing full disclosure i am not vegan um but i can definitely relate to it a little bit when 
um, I'm at a party with friends or coworkers and literally everyone else is drinking and, and I don't drink alcohol. And it's just like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll just have water. That's fine for me. And there, there have been situations where people have been like, Hey, Martin, you want a drink? And I'm just like, no. And, and usually, um, usually they're, they're polite about it. Um, some of the, there, there's like one family member of mine who's like, Martin, why don't you drink? You got to drink. You got to loosen up, uh, which is not fun. But, but most, most people are, are respectful about my choice not to drink. And fortunately for me, well, I don't, I don't know how fortunate this is, but, um, it doesn't affect my day-to-day life in the same way that, you know, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like I can imagine that that's <laughs> a much more constant thing than just an occasional party where people may or may not be drinking alcohol. Um, but speaking of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm curious, like, what are your um, go-to choices, maybe starting with breakfast? So uh, honestly, like, it's it's not it's really not that different from what, from what people, especially now, like, so again, vegan for 15 years, I was vegan before oat milk. I was vegan before beyond burgers. I was vegan before all these things. So now I, I look at how much there is out there and I'm just like, man, it just, it continues to get easier and easier. You can get, you can make a vegan burger at Burger King now. You know, you can debate whether you want to support Burger King or not. That's a whole separate conversation. But if you're at an airport and there's nothing else for you to eat, you can go get an Impossible Whopper without cheese and mayo at Burger King. It is vegan. Amazing. So it's so as far as like, you know, what do I eat? I, I eat a lot of the same things that people typically eat just with either vegan substitutes or in or vegan style. So breakfast um, I, I do enjoy currently, I'm really into the Gregory's, uh, vegan bacon, egg and cheese, which is, at, uh, that they're a chain on the East coast. They're like a coffee chain on the East coast, way better than Starbucks. And, um, but then I also do stuff like oatmeal or overnight oats. I can do pancakes, French toast, etc. I just make them myself and it's pretty easy to especially make pancakes if you're using a non-dairy milk and you can use little tricks like adding apple cider vinegar and baking soda to what you're baking because that's a chemical reaction that takes the place of egg. When it comes to French toast, it's pretty easy to just do, um, you can add like, I think I do it with garbanzo flour, chickpea flour. You can create like kind of a thick eggy like coating that you would dip your French toast in and just do the French toast thing, put it on the skillet, you're done. Um, I also enjoy like just egg. So some of the substitutes, um, that's all good for me for breakfast. And then lunch, if I eat it, it's pretty much soup salad sandwich. (laughs) Very basic. (laughs) And then, um, dinner. So something that's actually really exciting for me about since going vegan is, um, I mentioned I was, I was raised in an Italian American household and food was, certainly celebrated in the centerpiece of everything that we did, but it was very much Italian American food. We didn't really branch out very much in what we ate. Um, if we had Chinese food, it was takeout. It was never like nobody would attempt to cook Chinese food. And, um, if we got Mexican food, it was like, we would go out maybe once a month or something to a Mexican place. And it was just like burrito, taco, burrito, taco. There wasn't like much expansion, into all that Mexican food can be. So as a vegan, Italian is generally not the most vegan-friendly cuisine, so I had to expand my palate, and I now I eat Indian food, Thai food, Ethiopian food. I've experienced, yes. you know, even my own cuisine of Italian food, I've experienced that in a different way than I did growing up because I've learned how to make you know, calamari out of mushrooms. And I've learned how to use hearts of palm to do all kinds of crazy things that you wouldn't think would work. And they kind of do. And um, so dinner is really anything for me. I mean, and I still eat stuff like burgers. I just do beyond burgers or veggie burgers. 
Um, I'm not somebody that is above substitutes. I'm all for substitutes. Um, I also know how to cook without substitutes. So I kind of, I'm good with whatever. Um, I just don't like, there are kind of the two sides of veganism with like people that really oppose the idea of having anything that resembles an animal in their food. So like they're anti beyond or they're anti mock meat. And there's also some vegans for health that are arguing that those foods are highly processed and they don't want them in their diet. And then you have kind of like your junk food vegans or your more practical vegans that are just like vegan for the animals and don't really care um, yeah. what, what's happening. <laughs> Amazing. I think I, I see both sides and I'm just kind of like, can both sides respect each other? Because if we're all really in this for the animals, you know, that's we're on the same side here, but I guess that, uh, I'm kind of going off a tangent here, but there are different ideologies of veganism and it makes the community a little bit fragmented at times, which can be sort of a frustrating thing. So when you're talking about dinner, it's sort of like, yeah, I'll eat anything as a vegan, so long as it is vegan. Um, And my palate has grown because of that, but not every vegan is like that. Yeah, it's definitely important to understand each other's differences within a community, but also just to celebrate the the connectedness of it. It shouldn't be like this group of vegans versus that group, I don't think. Um, yeah, but uh, you mentioned um, you know how to cook without the substitutes. Do you mean like, will, will you will you cook food that has animal products for other people? No. Okay. Nope. And some vegans will. And that's, that's okay. That's their prerogative. Like, I'm not here to judge that. But my boundary with it is, no, I, I do not cook anything that is not vegan. Okay, amazing. Um, yeah, and there's also, I know we've talked about the environmental aspect of veganism. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I can. I, so certainly not not an expert on all the stats and stuff, but um, basically veganism is, is generally one of the best things that you can do for the environment because when you're talking about vegan food and you're talking about food that is plant-based, you're cutting out, like I say that you're cutting out the middleman because when you're talking about livestock, when you're talking about feeding a cow, <laughs> the amount of water that goes in to growing the food, sending the food, transporting the food to the cow, feeding the food to the cow, also giving water to the cow, and then ultimately, for lack of a better word, processing the cow. That takes up so much more water, energy, electricity, and again, like grain, food, that takes up so much more than if you just grew the corn and ate the corn. (laughs) You know? So when you think about the mass scale of food production and, and meat production and farming. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy what, what animal agriculture does. It, it's responsible for more greenhouse emissions than cars. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, there's, there's no way to completely eradicate, you know, greenhouse gases at the, this current moment. We don't really have a clear way to do that, but I do know that we can save ourselves some water and some energy and these resources that we are very well aware of at this point are not renewable. Um, and you know, the, the waste for the waste that animal agriculture puts on us and how do you, how you, how do you get rid of pig feces, you know, is terrible. What that does to our biomes is bad. Uh, so, what species? What did you, what was that? Oh, pig, pig poop. Oh, pig feces. Pig feces. Okay, sorry. Over the phone. There you I go. <laughs> I was trying to be all scientific about it. <laughs> Isn't there also something about like cow farts are contributing to the ozone layer? Methane. Yes. Methane uh, gas. Cow- it's 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 a thing. It is a thing. Um, yeah, it's cows are really bad for the ozone layer. Yeah, definitely. So at the beginning of this podcast, we mentioned that you are a marathon runner. Uh, yes. And 
from some people from the outside, they might be like, oh, if I went vegan, I would never be able to run a marathon. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I've run three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as you know. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I just want to say, you know, it's it's possible. I mean, when when going vegan, you know, you, you, you should talk to your doctor, like get some blood work done, make sure that you're not deficient in anything off the back. And I do have a vitamin regimen that works for me. Um, I kind of call it the vegan special because most vegans are, and vegetarians too, are deficient in vitamin D3, vitamin B12, and iron. Those are the three that like, they're, they're primarily animal derived and you get a lot of that from meat and fish. So I do supplement with those, not every vegan supplements, and that's their prerogative, how they handle that. But um, I found that with endurance running and being an endurance athlete at this point, it's really important for me to make sure that I am hitting those those marks in my blood work as best as I can. Um, and then, you know, supplementing the, the protein. If you're not an aggressive runner, if you're not running 12 miles every weekend, you know, Sure, everybody, you do need to, to be aware of, of all of your macros, protein, fat, carbs, your calorie count in general. You should be aware of what your body needs and what your body flourishes on. But when you're training for something, you know, it, it, I do do stuff like protein shakes and there's a ton of vegan proteins out there at this point. It's, it's not hard <laughs> at all. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very possible to, to run these things. It might take a little more effort. You know, you, you might have to spend a little extra money to get the vegan protein over the non-vegan protein. But so long as you are aware of what your body needs, what activities you're doing and what strain that's going to put on your body. And honestly, sleeping is really important too. making sure that you are allowing your body to rest. I mean, I will say, I do think that vegans generally get a little less protein, if, if not a lot less protein, than uh, omnivores. So it's important to make sure that you're supplementing when you need to and that you're actually really resting and letting your body build, build up the muscle and recover the way it should. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you um, have a certain... Like if, if you're, if you know that you're going to be going on like a 12 mile run, do you eat a certain food before or after to kind of give you, give you that boost? I have kind of my go-tos at this point and, you know, I don't want to turn into a running podcast, but, um, for me, when I am in periods of training, food becomes more like there's a difference between like the slow food and the fast food movement and fast food means more than just like going to McDonald's fast food is like how much prepackaged stuff do you eat and slow food is more cooking at home and putting more care and time into your food when I'm running I am more into the fast food because I'm trying to prioritize things like hitting the macros I need to hit as efficiently as possible and having enough time to rest. When you take six hours out of your weekend to get up early, get to a run spot, run for four hours, get home and shower, you're losing half of your Saturday or Sunday easily. So I don't want to spend the other half of the Saturday or Sunday cooking. <laughs> so <laughs> in periods of running, uh, I will usually wake up and my like pre-fuel will usually be like Nature's Bakery fig bars. Um, so either fig bars or maybe like a piece of toast with like peanut butter or something on it. Uh, and then I will run during the run. It's important to fuel with gels or, uh, salt tabs or what every runner finds out what works for them. But I do a combination of all those things. Hydration is important. Electrolytes, researching which electrolyte drinks are vegan or not vegan is also a part of what I, what I did at one point. Now I know I don't have to worry about it anymore, but, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of liquid IV <laughs> marked as vegan on their website <laughs> and then getting home. And ideally it's trying to get protein in your body as soon as you're done with a workout within half hour is usually what they recommend. I fail at that most of the time, but 
I will sometimes try to make sure I have the protein shake ready before I go so I don't have to waste time making it upon my return. And then I take a nap for like three hours. Amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> the best part. <laughs> that's, that's how we recover. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's awesome. I think, um, yeah, so many, so many people are like, oh, the only way to really train and do physical exercise is to eat lots of eggs and meat and all this protein. Um, and it's like, no, you, you can, you can still do that with all these really wonderful alternatives. Um, but you did mention that sometimes the cost can be a little bit more expensive. Um, do you find that exercise aside, just like your overall like grocery budget, um, restaurant budget is more expensive potentially because you're vegan? Well, restaurant budget, yes. But grocery budget does not have to be because, you know, I, I work in the music industry. I'm a senior manager. Like, the, I, I have a privileged life in that sense where I don't have to stress about my grocery bill as much as other folks might need to. So I can buy the food for convenience. I can afford the Beyond Burgers regularly and and whatnot. But um, it's it's really very easy to be vegan on like a $40 grocery tab a week, especially if you have stores like Aldi or Trader Joe's nearby you, which also there's some privilege there. But, um, you know, there's beans are like the cheapest thing. And <laughs> beans are a superfood. My God, there is nothing that beans don't do. <laughs> um, so... there's there's whole cookbooks on you know how to be vegan on the cheap that is one of the cookbooks i have literally called vegan on the cheap and these cookbooks will break down you know how much each serving costs once you make it so sure maybe you're spending 10 15 dollars to get all the ingredients for a recipe but then you have 15 servings and they're a dollar each you know like in general with cooking that's that's a tricky thing with cooking as opposed to buying all your food is Sometimes you spend a lot on the groceries, but then you have the groceries for a long time. And that bag of flour will last you a month, probably more for most normal people. <laughs> and and you, you make so much out of it. So that's you can be vegan very affordably, especially if you're cooking your own food and understanding what substitutions you can make and how to cook things in advance and freeze things, what does freeze well. Um, your food, your diet doesn't have to, the quality of your food doesn't have to suffer if you are sort of aware of like what you can, what you can cook in bulk, what freezes well and how to substitute things fiscally responsibly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is totally manageable and it's good to know that there's resources out there, um, to do that. Uh, do you think it would be um, more difficult to be vegan if you weren't living in a city such as New York? Yeah, I, I, I do think that. Um, I think that it's definitely gotten easier over the last few years. I think that, I think a, a pro to living outside of the city is usually when you're outside of a city, that implies that you have more access to local produce potentially that you might be in more farm country where you can get just better quality greens and better quality, whatever. But there's obviously pockets of the country that I would say are food deserts that just lower income communities that don't have access to anything farm fresh or good quality groceries. So it it is a real problem. And something like it's, it's important to acknowledge that in veganism, I think, that I think to be vegan, there is a degree of privilege that, that comes with it. Because when we go back to the definition by the vegan society, it says, veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practicable. And it's, it's not possible and practical for like the world to be vegan at this point. Like, I think it's very naive to say it is. So, and that's kind of an unpopular (laughs) opinion, I think, in the vegan community. So hopefully no one comes after me for that one. But (sighs) um, I think it's, it's so important to 
meet people where they are. And I think initiatives like Meatless Monday are so great because you can focus on a day where you make the change or focus on a meal that you make the change. I think there's so much good research coming out of it that they've, um, they've changed some diets at certain prisons that now they've, they've converted prisons to having vegan meals, um, certain places in the country. And they've noticed that inmates are calmer and performing better at, at their, at their respective jobs. Um, there's, the focus goes up for kids in elementary school when you have a vegan diet. So I think things like that are the key to sort of moving, moving the pendulum forward with uh, places that may not have access to options is sort of bringing them in to like institutions essentially and showing that like these things have a positive impact. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really cool. Wait, I'm just looking at my topic list right here. Oh, this is a fun thing. Um, so November, the the most popular American holiday in November is Thanksgiving, which is the holiday mm-hmm. where, <laughs> <laughs> according to American tradition, we all sit around the family dinner table and we eat a big old turkey. <laughs> yep, yep. <sighs> Thanksgiving is such a such a weird one for me because I mean it's it's a food centric holiday. It's, it's I would argue it's the most food centric holiday, <laughs> and I love food. Like I love food, so it's it sucks that like the the centerpiece is a dead bird. And there's something that's poetically really messed up to me about celebrating gratitude through slaughter. You know, it, yeah. it never sits well with me. So Thanksgiving is, it, it's one of two holidays that I've kind of reclaimed from my family and said, like, I will just not, I'm not going to come to these holidays anymore. And at 30 years old, I've been able to do that. It's really hard <laughs> to set those family boundaries. And I feel like there's so many vegans and so many, so many young vegans, especially that have to bear the brunt of family members that don't get it or feeling like, you know, they're, they're being judged and it's, it sucks. The holidays are really tough when you're in mixed company that, that generally don't understand. Um, so just, there's hope (laughs) you're allowed to have boundaries. Um, but for me, it was always like, how can I blend in as best as possible? So I would always, be asking, you know, whoever was hosting, okay, what's everybody bringing? And if the answer was mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, turkey and green beans, and by the way, the green beans will have butter, then Mm. I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to make my own green beans, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and bring the tofurkey. And now it looks like I'm doing the same thing, (laughs) but I'm not. (laughs) So it's, that was always my way of just like, how can I just recreate it? But yeah, it's very stressful. So a potluck would be my, my dream Yes, <laughs> going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can have mac and cheese if you just have like vegan cheese and vegan butter substitutes. Right. I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I think, I think we're reaching the point in the podcast where I specifically ask you for feedback and advice <laughs> because <laughs> okay. I, uh, if, if you're cool with that. Um, so I, my whole life I have eaten animal products, meat, butter, cheese, milk, etc. Um, when I grew up, I had milk for more, more often for my beverage than water. So, um, I guess I'm just, um, I'm really, um, open to this and I want to try it out at least for two weeks at the beginning of January. I thought it would be a good time to reset because right after I get home from the holidays, um, I'll probably have like no groceries, you know? So it's like a good opportunity (laughs) to 
go shopping and um and from there get all vegan foods and just just see what it's like and see how i see how i like it see if um like i notice a difference in maybe my energy or my attitude throughout the day if i'm maybe less tired or if i'm experiencing uh those benefits um and maybe if i'm feeling less guilty for <laughs> uh consuming animal products um so help me do you one of my one of my staples for breakfast if i'm thinking about what am i going to have for breakfast during these uh at least 2 weeks um so I rely on cereal and cereal is probably usually vegan, but I'm also using milk. So I know there's soy milk. I know there's oat milk. Are there any others? What do you recommend? What is the best in your opinion? There's, there's every kind of milk, okay. soy, <laughs> oat, almond, hemp, hazelnut, rice. I mean, everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would recommend it, it. It depends on like, you know, what, what you're looking for really. Um, soy milk. I, I, I like soy milk a lot still, but not a lot of like new school vegans are not super into soy milk. Um, sustainably soy milk is still really high up there. A lot of people say that almond milk is not very sustainable. There's, there's some truth to that. Um, it's not less sustainable than eating red meat, but like, whatever, throw your red herring at me. That's fine. <sighs> but <laughs> I, um, I, I like soy milk because it also has extra protein, which for me, just as an endurance athlete, it's kind of like, if I could grab that anywhere I can, that's, that is a good thing. But, um, oat milk is excellent. I mean, oat milk is truly like the hero of veganism over the last five years, I would say. Um, oat milk has, it's, there's different, there's different brands. Every brand is a little different with, with any of these milks, whether you're talking about soy milk and you're going with the Costco Kirkland or you're going with silk, which is like the old school vegan brand. Eden soy is, is another brand. They all are a little different. Some are a little thicker. Some are a little more watery. Some have chocolate, some have vanilla, some are unflavored, some are sweetened, like it, whatever you got to find what works for you. Um, it's helpful to know a vegan that might have a lot of this in their fridge already and just be like, let's do milk shots. No, <laughs> I'd do it. Amazing. Um, but I, I would probably recommend, you know, oat milk is, is a good place to start. Um, and you can try for cereal, you could go vanilla or unsweetened or plain, um, it's, it is really good. And, and you, you have a good hunch that most cereal is vegan. There is a little bit of a debate with some of like the, the Kellogg's and general mills cereals. Mm. Um, the vitamin D may be animal derived. They, they fortify those cereals with different vitamins, which isn't a bad practice as, as it sounds, but the vitamin D might be animal derived. Is it something that I would sit here and be like, your frosted flakes offends me? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be like, have your frosted flakes, like whatever. But okay. Something to be aware of. Okay. Whereas if you're buying like the Whole Foods, like the, the Whole Foods knockoff of those cereals um, or the Trader Joe's knockoff of those cereals, um, they're more likely to be vegan without question than other things. Sure. Okay. That's, that's good to keep in mind. Um, so that covers breakfast because I'm usually just cereal almost every morning. Mm -hmm. Um for lunch, I like um, sandwiches, which for my non-vegan omnivore diet usually means uh, bread, meat, and cheese. Um, so, what would you, what would you do? What are some, what are some other things I can put in between the slices of bread that are that are good? Well, first we should start with the bread because Wait, the bread not all bread is vegan. No, got, like, most. Most uh, sandwich breads are not actually vegan by default. What? You're kidding. So, like, may I ask what brand do you use? <sighs> you're, you're, you're making me question my existence at this point. <laughs> um, the, the brand that I – well, I, I rotate between a few. I like um, – gosh, what's it called? It's like the, the standard honey wheat bread that I get at Kroger – um, let me just see. 
Well, you know, right away you said honeyweed. So oh. You're, you're... Oh, is honeyweed but... not? Well, so honey is a bit of a debate in the vegan community. Um, I, I don't have strong feelings on it, to be honest, but a lot of vegans do. So um, honey is generally like a, mm, nope, that's not really by the books vegan. But I thought honey wheat just means it's like generally sweeter. Or does that literally mean that it's made with honey? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so you don't read your labels. I can already tell uh, this. Sometimes so, I do, sometimes the, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> one of one of the biggest things with with going vegan is is you will become a label reading ninja. <laughs> like you learn like what what to look for. There are certain ingredients that are not obviously not vegan. Um I think like something that's commonly used in a lot of bakery breads, it's called L-cysteine. And L-cysteine is derived from feathers. In even cheeses that are said to be lactose-free, sometimes they have ingredients like, uh, I might say it wrong, but uh, casinate or casinate. And that's a milk derivative still. It's not lactose, mm. but it's still a milk derivative. So, and, um, there, so, so uh, the good news is that there's a lot of really great um, resources out there that kind of teach you what some of these heads up ingredients are but there's also guides upon guides of brands that are vegan friendly or products that are vegan friendly it's usually they they call it being accidental vegan so for me when i'm in the bread aisle i know pepperidge farm not good everything with pepperidge farm has milk everything and if you just look at the back and read the labels when you just go right down to the bottom and it says you know it contains nuts, soy, milk, whatever, you just start there. That's your first step to yeah. like being quick with reading labels. Because even if you don't know what ingredient has the milk in it, if it says contains milk, you're, you're done. You start there. <laughs> okay. Pepperidge Farm, not, not a good brand for vegans. But Arnold is much better. And Arnold, I use their uh, hamburger buns. I use their hot dog buns. I use um, a lot of their breads. And I've some of their stuff is saying plant-based now. Not all their stuff, but some of it is. And um, I'm also a really big fan of Sara Lee, which is a cheaper bread too, which is really good if you're on a budget. And Sara Lee also talks about like, we don't use high fructose corn syrup and corn syrup is vegan. That's fine. But just from a more health oriented standpoint, um, I, you know, I try to avoid corn syrup where I can. So that's, that's a good thing. Okay. Okay, great. Good to know. Sarah Lee Arnold's yep. for bread. We haven't even gotten to the inside of the sandwich yet. <laughs> I know, I know. But that's, but the thing is, so like veganism, it's, it's a huge download at first. And it's very hard. Like people say, you know, there's the expression cold turkey. You just do something like right away. In veganism, it's like you go cold tofu. Like it's, it's very hard <laughs> to go vegan cold tofu. Cold tofu. <laughs> Cold tofu, yeah, because because turkey's not vegan. Yeah, um, this vegans are nuts. But <laughs> you can, um, it, you're, it's it's totally cool to to do it as a process, you know. Like, I, and I'm also not somebody that I, I don't want you to waste stuff, you know. Like, if you have a jar of mayonnaise in your fridge, I don't want you to throw that out in the name of going vegan. Like, finish that, and then when it's time to replace it look into the alternatives and replace things is more of a process, not, not as a whole thing. And that, that'll make it cheaper too over time to do it. So, you know, I would say even since you have this plan from now, I would just say like, start looking at like, well, what are, what are your bread substitutes going to be? And, and then there are certain things that even if you only do it for two weeks, and I certainly hope that you stick with it for longer than that, but there are certain simple changes that you could do that make your diet more vegan friendly than, than not. So if, if you know now, you know what, I, it's easy for me to buy this bread instead of this bread and it doesn't really matter, <laughs> like, yes. then great. Like support the brand that isn't adding stuff that doesn't need to be there. Exactly. Um, between the bread, let's talk about that. So, <laughs> so you said meat and cheese. So there's, um, there are a lot. So I'm just talking one-to-one -one substitutes here. There are a lot of really great, uh, vegan deli meats out there now. Um, some really good brands to keep an eye out for, uh, field roast is a really good one. 
And I like all of Field Roast's products. I actually, their hot dogs are like my favorite thing ever. Um, and they, they make like really interesting flavors too. Like the, what I like about Field Roast is with their cold cuts, they're not really trying to be direct replacements. It's not like, oh, this is vegan turkey and this is vegan bologna. They're making slices, but like, I think one of them is like a portobello sage slice and it's just like a totally different flavor profile than something else. Um, so there's stuff like that. There are traditional brands like Tofurky that also make really good stuff. And when it comes to cost, so when you're using the meat substitutes, that's where your grocery bill can kind of go up a little bit. But my counter to that is if you are buying high quality cold cuts, which especially with cold cuts, I would recommend like buying what's at the counter and not what's like on the rack. Um, that's if you're spending, you should be spending better money on that stuff than it could be cheaper is what I'm saying that if you're going to the deli counter and buying your half pound of turkey that they slice in front of you, buying the vegan meat substitute, I, I don't think will will be that big of an upcharge. If 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 anything, it might be an undercharge. Yeah. So there's that. Um, lettuce, tomato, always solid additions to a sandwich. I recommend, you know, have your tomato on the side. If you're going to bring it to work, this way you can put the tomato in at the last minute so it doesn't make your bread soggy. And um, as far as cheese, vegan cheese has come a crazy long way, even in just the last two years. I mean, stuff that I wish existed when I was doing, you know, bag lunches every day. Um, my favorite brand for a, a sandwich cheese is also Field Roast. They make a um, creamy chow cheese, and it's it just looks like an American single. And they make some different flavors. I would recommend the Creamy Original. Also makes a really good grilled cheese. Um, the thing about vegan cheeses is some of them melt better than others. Some of them are better cold than they are hot. And you just kind of have to learn what, what works. Something about vegan cheese that you won't find yet is that they don't pull the same way. So you're not going to get that stringy pizza slice or that, like that grilled cheese that like separates forever that's something that you're gonna not have that they're truly haven't they haven't figured out the science behind that yet <laughs> but but flavors and you know like mouthfeel of it you they can get pretty close these days yeah definitely um cool well i wrote down some of those brands <laughs> that you listed so i'm definitely gonna check those out and i'll probably just you know, be hitting you up with more questions later as we get closer and I start to iron things out. But I think, um, yeah, generally, um, maybe, maybe I'll really, really like the vegan diet and decide to stick with it. And even if I don't, um, like you said, maybe, um, I'll just be more aware of choosing these alternatives and start to work them into my diet on a regular basis. Even if I'm not 100% vegan, at least it's sort of a step in the right direction, which is um, making things better at both environmentally wise and just, you know, morally wise because exploitation of animals is not great. Um, which I feel like it's this weird... I, I think there's like a lot of people in the category who would agree that it's wrong to exploit animals, but then still eat animal products anyway, which that's a whole other conversation. I don't know how to, how to grapple with that. I had one person who actually works at our company who told me, yeah, um, eating meat and animal products is wrong. And if you do it, you're a bad person. And I'm a bad person. He was telling me because he eats those products. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I mean, <laughs> if you feel that strongly about it, but, but it's, I don't know. It's this weird, 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 weird gray area that we live in. Uh, you know, I don't even think it's that gray. I just think, not everybody knows what to do or sees another way. You know, we have a lot of food traditions and traditions are really hard to break. And I think it kind of goes back to a question of like, 
I mean, in, in the States, you know, we, we love our dogs and cats and it's sort of like, well, why love one and eat the other? You know, cause pigs are just as smart as dogs. That's proven. Like, so I, there's, there's all these quotes, like, you know, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everybody would be vegetarian or vegan. I, I really think there's a lot of truth to it. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing to debate. It's an interesting thing to hear people say, oh yeah, I don't like it, but I still partake, you know? And, and I think it's like, well, the reason why you partake is because you're not the one that has to do it. You know, yeah. like now, you know, I, I'm, there's so many arguments when people are like, well, we had to hunt and forage back in the day. I'm like, yeah, sure. Back in the day, it's, this is not yeah. that day. Like, <laughs> look at everything that, that we have now. And, and, you know, it's uh, hunting is very different than mass producing animal agriculture food on a commercial level. Like those are like, I'm not for hunting either. You know, like I, I'm always going to take the side of the animal, but, um, I have a much harder time arguing with people that are like, Oh, I, I, I hunt for my food and I, I don't partake in animal agriculture. I'm kind of like, I don't like that. I could never do that, but I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to really have, I'm not going to engage deeply in that conversation because to me, it's like, yeah, if, if, if you can do it yourself, I, okay. I can't, I can't do it. I can't kill. I cannot take the life of yeah. something else knowingly, um, or, you know, not in self-defense. So of course, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I, I would never, never be comfortable hunting or, or even holding like a gun or something that could take the life of another living thing. And just in my day to day life, like even if I am eating a sandwich with turkey meat in it, I'm not, I, I can't think about the animal. <laughs> so maybe that's a good sign that maybe I um, could potentially uh, feel a lot better about my food choices being fully vegan, which is why I'm trying it out at the beginning of January. So, um, yeah, I'll keep you updated. Um, I think we're getting to the end of the podcast. Did you have anything else that you wanted to, to say on this topic? Oh man, I have so much I could say on this topic. <laughs> I have 15 years of yes. stories and experience. And, you know, I, I think, um, the big, you know, I, I, I allude to it you know, in, in, in this interview a lot, I think, but just, uh, there, there's a lot of different ideologies even within the vegan community. And, you know, I, I will say like most of my friends and my entire family, none of them are vegan. The only person in my life that is vegan is my partner. And that definitely makes my immediate life as a vegan easier, but I still encounter difficulty when I go out in mixed company or difficulty with my family at times. And, things have gotten better and I've also become more of an advocate for myself. But, um, I've found that the, the vegan community is not as compassionate as it could be sometimes. And I would just say, you know, I, I apologize to folks that have met a vegan that has made them feel like shit. I'm sorry if that was your experience. Um, I have met vegans that have made me feel like crap. And meanwhile, I'm a professional vegan cook and marathon runner. So like <laughs> no one's immune here. Um, and you know, I would say if you're a vegan, that's on the other side of this and disagreeing with some of my statements and stuff, I just really urge you to recognize that you will probably make more progress with people from a p place of love and compassion, which to me is the foundation of my veganism out of love for animals than you will by screaming at people and shaming people. Um, I love to celebrate, you know, what Martin is saying about like, I want to try this for two weeks. Like I'm so excited. And, and as much as my hope is, I hope he sticks with it longer. I'm going to always celebrate that he did it for two weeks over the fact that he didn't do it longer. So, you know, I, I, I guess I leave just on that note of, it's just, just love and acceptance and keep, keep your food vegan. You know, if you're going to a potluck, you know, cook the food, take, take a, take a stock in it, you know? And, um, that's, that's how you change people's minds is when you 
can cook something really tasty or show people that it's not as big of a deal as they might think it is. Um, try to find ways to blend because if you're going to sit at a restaurant and not eat something and not advocate for yourself and not say, can you make me the salad with no cheese? Like you have to show people that you can still have a life and be a vegan, still have a social life and be a vegan. And sometimes, you know, you can make more of it than show people something new and open up people's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said. I think it's just, it's so important that we're, coming from it from a place of compassion and not judgment and not criticism because once you start judging and criticizing people they just shut off and then they don't want to listen to you you know um which there's there's so many parallels between that and also respecting people's identity if they don't identify as strictly cisgender or heterosexual or um any any of these these other these other things, religion, philosophy, et cetera, um, politics, you know, you have to be respectful of people and try to help them understand where you're coming from without turning it on them and saying, well, you're not like me and therefore you're a bad person. Like if you, if you come at it from that perspective, then nobody's going to listen to you. Yeah. You know, food is deeply ingrained in people's heritage and tradition and food is very political whether we want to talk about that or not is a whole separate thing but it is so it's it's always better like I always put the emphasis on veganism is aligning for me and I always make the conversation about me so that I am not projecting onto other people as, as best as as best as I can you know when we're in a conversation like this and you're talking to me about where I'm coming from and what I think is ideal or best. Sure. I'll be a little more, more aggressive than I normally would be in a regular conversation. But I always try to just say like, Oh, I I'm vegan. I I'm vegan for the animals. That's, that's what makes me happiest. And sometimes, you know, I, you meet people that are like, yeah, I feel really bad when I eat it. And I'm like, okay, so where does your alignment lie? You know, (laughs) that's, that's a good angle to have a deeper conversation on. And those are moments that you can share and educate people, but I would much, much rather share and educate than shame. Yes. Amen to that. Um, Awesome. Well, I think, I think we covered this topic really, really well. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. This is a really good thing. I'm so glad we got to do it. Totally. And I, I'm happy to talk vegan anytime. And uh, to just kind of circle you back on music, I just want to say that there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of vegan musicians out there. And uh, they that's why I'm vegan. So um, it, it is relevant. And some vegan musicians, if people want to give them a follow or check them out, uh, Lizzo is huge in the vegan community right now. Moby's also been one of the the biggest advocates for veganism for decades. And uh, he has his own restaurant in LA called Little Pine. So if you ever find yourself in LA, go check that out, all vegan. And um, there are bands like Rise Against that even have vegan themes in their music, if you know to listen for them or look for them. So um, lots of really great advocacy going on in in media in general but specifically in music those are some of your your connections yeah that's awesome um cool well at the end of the podcast i usually ask people what do you see what do i see like directly in front of me yes because i can't see what's directly in front of you (laughs) (laughs) i see my computer screen with uh with the questions that, that I kind of sort of jotted down answers to Amazing. and did not adhere to at all. <laughs> no, you're great. Nice. Is there anything behind your computer screen? Um, oh, I guess, yeah, I keep like, we're on a Teams call, so I keep thinking that like everybody else can see where I am. Um, I'm in my office, um, and there's cat litter boxes behind me and a deconstructed drum set and a music stand. Beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> um, and I see um, some decorations that I brought home from Minnesota. Uh, there's some rubber ducks that are all musicians. 
Um, I don't know if I've shown you the duck musicians before. No, but I have I have duck musicians in my living room. <gasps> oh my gosh. I have a whole band. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Well, we'll have to compare notes on that after the podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, this has been really good. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, I really appreciate taking your time, whatever you're doing, if you're multitasking while listening to this. Um, I said last week that this week was probably going to be tropes of pop music, but we got an episode, an amazing episode in veganism instead. So the, the tropes of pop music slash the pop song formula episode will be coming out next week, next Saturday. And, um, until then you will hear my voice at that point. So until next time. All right. Bye-bye everyone. See you later. Bye. Nice.